You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Financial Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I am your host, and I am also a CFP which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here with my guest today, Joy. Hi, Joy. Hi, Barbara. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you want to give us an update? So tell us, I think you know the drill, like how old you are, single, married, parent, where you live, how much you make, all that jazz. Sure. So I uh, am 30 years old and I am married and live uh, in Chicago with my husband and um, I make kind of, <laughs> I guess, uh, uh, an amount that fluctuates from year to year because I am somewhat self-employed. Um, so I made last year $55,000 um, and my husband makes $67,000. Great. That's a good income. Yeah. My husband recently got a raise. So um, it's been nice to have a little bit, a little bit of wiggle room. Okay, so then, and that's your those are your gross numbers, right? Correct. And then, what about um, are you renting? Are you, do you own? So, and no kids, right? No kids. Yeah. We, well, we live with a giant dog, so he's like <sighs> our he's our baby right now, um, and he comes with a lot of financial um, needs. <laughs> he's a, yeah, absolutely. Pets are expensive. Yeah, and he's had like three surgeries in the last year and a half, so he's particularly <laughs> challenging. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, we currently rent. We're looking to buy, um, hopefully in the next nine months, um, we just resigned our lease and that'll be up next June. Um, and we've kind of been very carefully, um, house hunting for like, honestly. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. We're just kind of seeing what's out there and, um, trying to get our finances in order. And so that's probably my biggest question today is just making sure that we are um, putting ourselves in a good position for that and, uh, you know, making sure that in the next nine months that we, you know, are making any adjustments necessary to to really be ready for that because it's it's really big. (laughs) It is. That is a very big investment. And usually people buy property one or two times in their life. 
right. potentially more, but it's very possible you only do it twice. So yeah, it's a, it's a big endeavor and it can be intimidating. Definitely. Definitely. And we kind of fluctuate bet- between feeling extremely ready for it and extremely scared of it. So <laughs> um, you wake up and you're like, we can do this. And other days you were like, Oh my God. That's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, cool. Well, why don't you give me the breakdown? So what are you paying in rent? So you just, you're looking to buy in nine months, but you're currently renting. We are, yeah. So our rent is um, $1,179. Okay. And then what other big expenses do you both have? Um, student loans, credit cards, other major bills? Yeah, so um, I pay $535 a month in my student loan payment, Um which is well over the minimum required payment, but I have a goal of paying off that student loan by this February. Oh, wow. um, so and will you do that? Be able to do that? If I continue um, paying that amount, which I have been doing for, I've just gradually been tossing extra money at it as I've been able to, um, and so that amount has increased over like the last two years to what it currently is. And, and I, I'm definitely on track to do that with the $535 a month. That is fantastic. I mean, that's a huge number and we'll probably be able to use it for the home purchase. So just keep that in mind. So that will be freed up in February, yeah. which is not, I guess we're about six months from February at this point. Right, right. So we have $530 free cash flow starting in February. Yes. I'm like, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And then my husband also has a student loan payment. Right now he's paying $440 a month. Jesus, you guys both have huge loans. Yeah, well, I guess... So I only have like a $3,600 balance on my last student loan. I paid one off uh, at the beginning of this year. And this is the last one that's just kind of dragging behind. And um, so I've just really tried to throw as much money as I can to stay on track, like I said, for February. And then my husband recently increased his payment a bit with his new raise because uh, we just want that to go away. <laughs> we keep thinking, you know, we could just pay that off. That is like a thousand dollars more a month we could have, which would yeah, be totally. really awesome. So yeah, so his, and when will his go away? Um, so he has a much larger balance on his. He has uh, that 40, uh, or sorry, $400 payment is across two loans. Um, one of them has like $22,000 on it and the other one has 9,000. Okay. So that one we have less of a like plan for at this time. Like right now we've kind of increased the payment as, as, as we go along, but um, the end is not, insight for that one at the moment and then his 400 he's applying the additional you know the excess in the for the payment to principal yes I believe so I um I've heard you speak about that so many times I know the importance of that but I find it so confusing (laughs) to figure that like to actually see where it's going on the on the website so I feel like I need to just Navient? verify that or, or like double check. Yeah, I would. Is it Navient, the lender? It is not. So he refinanced the larger one from a Parent Plus loan. Okay. Um, and so that one's a private loan. Um, oh, actually, that should make it a well, private, private student loan company or private lending company? That's a, I think, private student loan company, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Because if you're dealing with like a traditional lender or even a student loan refinancer like SoFi, it's they're much easier to work with. 
You know what? I think it is SoFi. I think that's that oh. is exactly what it is. Okay, so you could definitely check with them. They should make it more straight, straightforward and more transparent. Yeah. Um, say what is my regular payment, and then what amount is apply is being applied to principal only. Because um, right. and what there should be an end date because usually when they refi it, they tell you what the term is, so how long you're going to be paying. So we just do a call with SoFi and figure and and see what the the details are. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. I will certainly do that. Um, and then the one with the nine thousand dollar balance, that's a federal loan. Um, and so the four hundred dollars is split between those two. Those two. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well still not not I mean, considering your payment, I was nervous when you said four hundred what the balance is gonna be. Right. Um, so not terrible. So yours will yours will be totally gone and then your husband still has about 31,000 as of now left. And then what are your other big expenses? And then I'm also going to ask you for, well, we can start with this. What are your, what are you netting monthly between you and your husband? So that's where my income gets a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, because, so I'm a, I'm a teacher. Um, I uh, teach private voice lessons and I also sing professionally. So half of my that's income- fun. Yeah, yeah. It's that's my husband and I met um, in college. Uh, we were both music majors, and he does not do that uh, for his full time job anymore. But we still do a lot of like singing together. Um, so, uh, so my income kind of fluctuates month to month. Um, it, it's pretty uh, stable during the school year for like the nine months between August and. Um, in May. And then in, in the summer, it decreases quite a bit. Um, so I have like both numbers. I don't know which one would be more helpful to you, but um, what I typically bring home um, during the school year is about 4,400 a month between self-employment income from teaching private voice lessons and also um, as an adjunct faculty member at a, a performing arts college. Okay, so you bring in about, and that's through the school year, is about 4400 for you. Correct, so like and August through May. August through May. Okay, and then what about your husband? He gets paid uh, twice a month, and his paycheck is sixteen seventy four. So he gets paid on like the 1st and 15th or 15th and 30th? Yeah, just about that. Okay, because it, it's not, so that's 24 paychecks a year, not every two weeks. So he brings in 16. Well, I think he does get like the two extra. Cause I think even this month we realized he was going to get an extra paycheck. So I think it's consistently every two weeks, every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's 1600. Correct. Okay. So then he gets 26 pay periods so that he, he's netting 41,600 divided by 12. So he's bringing in about 34. We'll just use round numbers, 3,400 a month. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then with your with your additional income, I'm assuming that if you're getting paid for lessons, is it like cash or are you having to file like a business tax return as well for the work you do outside of the college? Yeah, so I pay my taxes quarterly. Um, I have an accountant that helps me with that every year. Um, I made a huge mistake my first year. I was just naive right out of college and I owed so much at the end of the year and it was the biggest bummer. So, um, I started paying quarterly taxes. So I, um, 
set aside $570 a month uh, for that. And I pay them, you know, every three months. Perfect. Yeah. I think when people first start out doing consulting or side work, they underestimate how much you actually have to pay in tax. Right. Right. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> it was very shocking. And I vowed never to, <laughs> to make that mistake again. So now, you know, it, that number has fluctuated a little bit as I've made more money, but, um, but I, I feel like I, kind of have that under control now, which is good. That's that's really good. Okay. Yeah. So it seems like, so the only thing that I'm questioning is your husband technically's net income is lower than yours and you make less money. But so I'm assuming right. is the 55,000 what you make from the college and then you bring in additional on top of that or? So yeah, that's a combination of doing voice lessons and also um, the teaching at the college level. But we have a bunch of side gigs that we do. Um, I do more than my husband, but, um, professional singing engagements. Um, we both work at a church, um, that, uh, pays us about, uh, like $4,500 each per year. Um, and so my, the gross income that I, uh, that I mentioned, I think includes that, that church job gig. Um, with that additional like $4,500. And then I do some music directing and, um, you know, one-off gigs here and there um, throughout the year that contributes to, to that number. Okay. And then is your husband, um, well, which is cause I'm curious why your net income is higher than his. Oh, I guess cause you're not getting, you're only getting paid for, that's your net income for nine months really. Right. Correct. Got it. Okay. So that's why it's higher because you're getting paid all of your income in nine months and he's getting paid over 12. Right. Yeah. So if we take, so, cause I'm just trying to figure out for the house purchase. Well, let's go through. So we have your, so we know what your net income is. You get paid nine months of the year and then he gets paid up at a 12 months of the year. And then you have your student loan payment, which is a huge chunk that's going to go away in February. You have his, it's about right. 400. And then you set aside right. also 575 for monthly quarterly taxes. Yeah. And then I also have a $400 car payment. Okay. And then we have um, car insurance and renter's insurance. That's about $170 a month. Okay. We have to pay for street parking where we live. So that's $93 a month. And then I have a Roth IRA. And I set aside. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, I put $250 into that every month. Great. Okay. I would love to be able to max that out. Perhaps we could, you know, talk about that after I lay all this out for you. Sure. Um, but uh, my husband also contributes $300 a month towards credit cards. We're trying to get rid of a little bit of credit card debt. And then we have about $125 in utilities. Okay. And then our phone bill is 215 And then we just opened um, maybe about eight months ago um, life insurance policies. Okay. And so those recently changed its term uh, life insurance and the cost of that is 167 a month. Um, and that's for both of our policies. How did, now why, why did it change? So we, our finance, a financial advisor that we had spoken with was the one who originally opened the policy for us. And he switched companies and had different access, I guess, to, you know, other company policies and things that he could offer us. And so 
we we opened up a new policy that had a slightly different premium and it also changed to like a level premium policy which um after that was explained to us was more appealing than having our um premium increase a ton when we're in like our 50s and 60s and are you sure are you sure it's term i uh, yes i believe so okay and then what how long would it last for so if you're 30 now did you bought a 20 I think it, I think it goes until we're 60. Yeah. Okay. Good. So you got a 30 year. Yeah. And then it's level term, meaning that the premiums now should never change. So if you pay 167 combined, you should be paying 167 a month from now until when you turn 60. Correct. Like before it was actually $40 less a month, but Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this, but he said that, you know, it would kind of grow exponentially as we aged. Um, which, you know, might be a more critical time in life as we are, you know, planning more for retirement. We might have kids that are, you know, college age and all of that. So it was more appealing to us to pay $40 a month more and save, you know, as we get a little bit older. And did the person explain that if you actually, if you have level term for 30 years, that at the end of 30 years, you have nothing? Which Right. Yes. Okay. He did explain that. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And that's perfect because it's so cheap. And what's your face value on each of your policies? Like what happens if if your husband were to die, what would you get? I think it's, I think it's a million dollars. Yeah, it definitely could be. So term, the reason I like term insurance is it gives you a lot of leverage, which means you spend a little bit of money and you can get a lot for it. So you're, you're just using pure insurance. It's not an investment vehicle, which I don't think it should be. I think that you should set up the Roth IRA or another investment vehicle you know, for for your retirement. And then the goal is after 30 years that you have created a net worth and you don't need the insurance because you've saved money over the 30 years because you spent as little as possible on life insurance. Right, right. Yeah, okay, perfect. All right, so you have that too. So 167, a little detour there into insurance land. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm alive there. So so my husband also has a long-term disability insurance policy that is also newer to us, um, which is like $20 a month um, because he has, well, he has that through his benefits package at work. However, additional to increase the disability. Yeah. So yeah, because his entire salary is not protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they get just, sick or injured or something and go out and just they'd only pay a right. fraction of his income. Right. And um, I had applied for it, and I spoiler alert got denied twice. So that was um, why they said they and well, insurance companies don't like to take risks. Yes. And so I guess I was a risk because I had seen a therapist before, like in my lifetime. That's what was explained to me. And I was like, that really? That's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised. That That would eliminate a lot of people. Uh, Right. Yes, I know. Um, So that was really surprising. Um, And we felt like that policy was more beneficial to me because I don't have any benefits through the schools that I work with. Um, I'm an independent contractor through my private teaching. And then as an adjunct instructor, I also don't have benefits. So we, you know, we're kind of applying for it primarily for me. Um, and then I got denied. So, <laughs> um, so we're not really, um, sure what we're going to 
do about that yet. I don't know if you have any opinions on it. Um, well, that also makes sense because I did not ask you that when you said your income. But so your four four thousand four hundred because you know I was saying it didn't make sense that yours was higher than your husband's. Right. So, yeah. Your, his net income it, it takes out you know his four one k and and all of that. And yours is four thousand four hundred, but then you're putting aside five hundred and seventy five thousand for taxes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's this makes more sense now. I was thinking okay, okay. there was being like, hmm. Traditional, but um. <laughs> all of your income is ten ninety nine. Okay. Well, fun fact um, for you is that I got rated not preferred for life insurance because I had asthma. Oh my goodness. The keyword like had asthma. I mean, I guess maybe technically I still have it, but I mean I run marathons, like there's no breathing issues whatsoever. And they're like, oh, that asthma. Hmm. We're gonna right. charge you more. <laughs> yeah, like that's risky. Well, my husband got like elite health status or something. What? And he was voting for days. And <laughs> I got like knocked down one level or something, so I pay more and uh, it was it was a hot topic in our house for a while. <laughs> my father, who is like he got insur- like a little life insurance policy, is like a burial policy, which I think my mother made him cancel when she found out about it. But um, <laughs> he was like sixty five or something at the time, like overweight, like definitely could not run a marathon, and he got a better rating than I did. And I was just like, what? Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's kind of wacky to me. I mean, I'm not at all an expert in that, and I I just didn't expect. Um, some of the responses that we that we got it was really strange yeah I feel like that it, it also depends on the company you go to and like how strict they are with underwriting and underwriting is like when they determine whether or not they want to take you um, right but yeah it is interesting because I would have I would classify myself as elite but you know <laughs> if it were me <laughs> yeah if it were me so don't feel bad I don't get it either uh, yeah. Okay, so then you have the so he has the long term care or long term disability, and you both have the term insurance. And then what are do you have any other big expenses monthly? Did I tell you our phone bill? Two hundred and fifteen dollars. Yes, 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 yes. Um, we put a little bit of money aside every month into like a capital account, like the savings app. Yeah. Can- um, yeah. And so we, we like to travel and we also, um, this year are blessed and plagued with a ton of weddings that we're both in and, uh, traveling to. So we're putting like $140 a month between the two of us into that account to just kind of keep it out of sight, out of mind so that we have something to pull from, um, if we, need it for like travel for those weddings or just our own, you know, vacation. Perfect. Okay. So then that, and that's basically, those are like the majority of the expenses. Um, yeah. For like our fixed expenses. And then we have like, you know, our groceries and gas, uh, and that kind of a thing. Okay. And then now what do you have saved up? Like, what do you have as an emergency fund? Yeah. So we have, um, a joint savings account that has like $16,500 in it for emergencies. Great. Uh, that's fantastic. And then what about in the capital one, like travel, wedding, friend weddings? That was recently depleted because we went to Japan at the beginning of the summer. Oh, that's fun. It was very fun. Yes. Um, and uh, so we have been like building that back up, but, but actually it does have like $700 in it right now, but we, we need to keep saving so that we can make it to all the weddings this year. <laughs> Any of your friends are listening. We're saving for it. 
<laughs> okay, perfect. And then do you have, have you started a house fund yet or we're going to talk about that? Yeah, we, um, we have $30,000 in our house savings fund. Fantastic. Okay. So we have 30,000 in the house fund and then tell me a little bit. So with the credit card, how much, well, actually let's first do, do you have any other savings, capital one, joint savings, house fund, your husband? I have, um, a separate savings account with a thousand dollars in it right now for a number of reasons. I had mentioned that my my income in the summer kind of decreases. So last year I tried to be proactive um, by setting aside some of the income that I make during the school year, which is more than I necessary that I than I need for my like expenses every month, so that I could supplement it a little bit. So I was putting aside like a thousand dollars a month for a couple months, and I had to use I think two thousand dollars this summer just to kind of you know, build up what I made. But I also, my plan this year is to use that $1,000, if I can, you know, deposit it consistently to start building up a maternity leave fund for myself. Um, I'm not currently pregnant, but my husband and I would like to grow our family. And like I said, I don't have any benefits through my job. And I would like to be able to take some sort of maternity leave without having no income. <laughs> so that's kind of my like long-term plan for that. That's, I think that's a great idea to start saving up for that. I think that you would just get short-term disability. You know, we looked into that and we were told that there are too many like stipulations, I guess, for that exact situation that wouldn't allow me to qualify for that. And I think it wouldn't let you, maybe if you're not able to qualify, it's because you're essentially your own business, right? Right. 99ing you. So then it would be based on your company if it offered disability, I think. Yeah, I think so. Oh, this might, this is something that might be above my pay grade. No, just kidding. Um, We just have to look into it, but I do think it's a good idea for you to start saving. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm kind of a worry wart. So (laughs) I like, I don't really know what the timeline of us, you know, having a child will be, but I at least know that, you know, I want to be somewhat prepared and with the income that I currently bring in, like to just go. Yeah, um, it would it would really especially after like potentially buying a home. Um, it just kind of scared me to to not have something prepared for that. So yeah, just kind of thinking about it. Because my guess is, if you guys were applying for a home, you'd be applying and it would be based on two incomes, and it's potential that you would only have one. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely think it's prudent to save up for maternity, and then also probably if you think that you're going to have kids in the near future and you might not be bringing in the same amount of income, maybe make sure that you buy a house that is a smaller mortgage. Maybe it's not your dream house, but just so that then that way you don't have that financial pressure. Right. If you decide to stay home for an extra month or two, it's not as big of a financial concern, right? So you don't have that stress. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, just with the research we've kind of done and um, with the, we've been pre-approved for a mortgage, but after, you know, like monthly payments have been uh, laid out for us. We, it's very clear that <laughs> we've been approved for more than we actually can afford on a monthly yeah, basis. So, so interesting enough, like the lending, in my opinion, has swung the other direction from where it was in 2008. It's like really oh, yeah. lenient and they're approving people for things that I don't think they can actually afford. So what were you pre-approved for? So we've been pre-approved for 325. Okay. 
And then what did they say about down payment? Because a down payment on that, you did your traditional 20% down would be $5,000. Yeah. So we are not planning on putting 20% down. We were going to do closer to 10%. And in, we are also planning on you know having in cash our closing costs, which were kind of estimated to us, but we know that that could change. But that, you know, the 30,000, if we put like around, you know, 25 down, depending on purchase price, we'd have, you know, like 5,000, about that saved um, for closing costs. Okay, so the estimated closing cost would be about 5,000. It varies by state. So yeah, our lender said probably have ready between like five and seven. Okay. Yeah, I was in New York State and it was much more, it was like a bit more expensive than that. Um, But five to seven seems... You, and I would save on the higher end because no one's ever upset if they had extra cash. It's like when you're sitting with people exactly. and they're like, you save five and they need six. Well, then there's a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, I would say, so the more, and do they tell you what the mortgage is? Because you're also going to have, you know, so the thing I think that people forget about with the house is you're going to have P, if you don't put 20% down, you pay PMI as well. Right. So you have PMI, which is mortgage insurance when you don't put down 20%. And then you're going to have regular homeowners insurance. And then you're right. going to have taxes. Mm-hmm. And then a prudent thing to do is also then allocate, I like to do it monthly, but also allocate some money monthly for maintenance because there's always something with the house. Right, right. That's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. So we, our lender has been really generous in that he, um, he's, if we, if we see a house that interests us, um, or at least if it's in, in an area that we're looking in, we'll send him the listing and he like breaks down the monthly costs for us, including mortgage insurance, property taxes based on like, you know, last year's property taxes in that area and all that. So that's, that's where it's been really apparent to us as to what we can and cannot afford. And it is really shocking that it it has nothing to do with purchase price. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've been kind of carefully looking based on, I mean, for us, we're, you know, living you know, we're right on the border of Chicago. Um, so the property taxes can be really outrageous and really um, can, you know, swing the, the monthly payment, you know, in a scary direction. <laughs> so Good. Well, I'm glad that you're looking at all that because I would say like a $300,000 mortgage, if just the mortgage, if you were going to do, I mean, I think interest rates might be a little bit lower now, but if you were to do a 30 year um, at 4%, interest, I believe it would be around 1400, which that doesn't seem like a lot more than your rent. But then if you factor in the PMI insurance taxes and maintenance, you could be It'll probably be just over two is the, that's what we have seen with, um, with the property taxes in our okay. area. So yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's better to go. I think you'd be better off going smaller, especially with keeping in mind that you want to have a family. Right. And then that way, if you end up wanting to stay home for a month or two more, that you don't have that obligation to go back to work because you don't, you need to make the mortgage payments. Right. Right. So it's, it sounds like you know what you're doing with the house. I think 30,000 is a good amount. And then I would keep saving. I mean, once you get your, your student loan payment gone, I mean, you can easily save up a lot in your budget with that, you know, 530 freed up. Yeah. Well, the other thing that we've been um, kind of funneling into the house savings is the church job that we have. Um, Both my husband and I um, sing uh, at a church and we, during like the main part of, of the church season, we bring in like $880 a month. And we 
for as long as we've worked there, which has been like five years now, we've never really touched that money. It paid for like our portion of our wedding. It has helped us build up that house savings fund. So that's also going into that um, savings account on a monthly basis. Perfect. Okay. So I would continue to do that. And then I would say once you get, and you have a really good emergency fund, which you also need when you buy a house, like you want to have for cash. Right. So I would say keep doing that. And then I would put the money that you want to get rid of your student loans towards the house fund too. And okay. so you get there. And then once the house fund is done, then I would use that money to save up for maternity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a good plan and kind of in line with what I was thinking. Yeah. Too. Start with the house fund and I would just go lower I mean, no one likes to hear that, but I would just go lower than what you've been approved for. Yeah. I mean, this is, as first time homebuyers, I think we're, we're expecting that this is our first home and not the forever home. So I don't think for either one of us, it's particularly important for it to be like the, you know, turnkey perfect place necessarily. Um, But just something to kind of kick off, you know, a bigger investment and something we can, you know, fix up and 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 so that you're building equity and that you're locking in one of the lowest interest rates we've had in forever. forever. Oh, I know. Our low house sensing process has actually worked in our favor because last year when we started, I think interest rates were at like four point five or around there. And when we checked in with our lender like two weeks ago. He was saying that he's been refinancing homes left and right for people because the interest rates are at like 3.6. Yep, you're definitely lower. So I think, I mean, I do think it's a good time to buy. I would err on the side just because of what you have coming up, like your other life goals, like you'd like to travel, you want to have a family. Because of right. those things, I would say it would be prudent to go to go on a, for a smaller house purchase yeah. price just because, as you said, just because you could pre, they're pre-approved for it. And yeah, you could swing it right now if you don't travel, you don't have a baby, right? You know, like, and a lot of money in the house. I think you're better off having balance and having a smaller, spending less on the house and having more balance in your life. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And neither one of us wants to be house poor. So (laughs) I think they put you up to the max. Uh, Yeah. And I I really do. I'm I'm doing the same thing for myself, like for what I'm approved for. Like, there's no way I don't want to only be in my house. Like, are they crazy? Right. I know. I know. It's really shocking when you break it down and you're like, well, I technically could buy this, but also I would never be able to go out to dinner again. Definitely not going to be traveling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I would go a little lower on the house and I would just, it's great that your mortgage person is running the numbers with the taxes and everything. And I would find a number that feels comfortable keeping in the back of your head is what happens if I decide to not? Because it, it, it is very common when you have your first baby, not everybody wants to go back to work. So like if you decided to work part-time or something like that, could you still swing the house, like the two of you? I would look through some of those right. scenarios and see how they play out. Yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah, I think it would be interesting to just like live, like to kind of just hypothetically decide, you know, well, here's what our finances would look like if I didn't go back to work for a while or the first year or whatever it was. Because- Right now, our lifestyle is very dependent on both of our incomes. So it is really scary to think like, you know, well, what if I, what if I couldn't work for some unforeseen reason, like during the pregnancy Mm -hmm. or, or if I just wanted the flexibility to be able to stay home for a bit, um, could we actually, could we actually do that even, you know, with 
with a house payment. Yeah, with buying a house. like how, And like maybe it's not your ideal situation with you not working, but you could get by. You know, you wouldn't default. Right. I would kind of look, look at it as like I would run worst case scenario. And then just because you don't – and then maybe the other thing is maybe – because the thing is to go and buy a house – you have to, for, to get approved, you both would need to be working if it's based on both of your incomes. Right. But maybe you, I don't know if you like your job or not, but maybe you look for a job even if it makes less but with better benefits. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, you know, I kind of came to a crossroads recently and was, had to kind of say out loud just for myself, like, what is it that I value? And, you know, there's not a tremendous amount of, you know, upward trajectory with what I do in terms of income, but I love what I do. I, I love getting to teach. I love singing and, and I love the flexibility that it offers me. So, um, I don't really anticipate in the near, near future that changing. Okay. So then, so then what I would do is I would run the, like the worst case if you went, so if you, since you love what you do, most likely then you'll probably go back to it at least for part like, at some point. Right. So then I would right. run like the worst right. case if you decided to take six months off or whatever, could you swing that all? And you'll have bills at that point. Right. You won't have your student loan. Are we close to paying off the credit card debt? Um, it's not. Well, I don't know. To each his own. I don't think it's terrible, but I would like it to go away. We have twelve hundred on one card, and we have um, eighteen hundred on another okay. card. Wait, I have, so I have a question for you. Sure. What are the interest rates there? That's a great question. I don't know off the top of my head. I did not make note of that, but um, I'm just I know thinking. You could pay that all off. That's three thousand dollars with the money from your joint emergency fund, two thousand five hundred, uh-huh. and then you could pay three hundred back into that account. Oh, that's interesting. Instead of just putting the you know three hundred towards the payment, we've had a, a a healthy, I guess, emergency fund for a while, and I don't know why I always get so insecure with even if it's much greater than the debt, just taking money out of it to just pay the debt off. I don't know why that is, but I, I, I'm i sure it would be more beneficial to just make it go away, even if it meant depleting a little it's bit. It's good from that the, you don't want to take it from there because it shows that you have discipline and that money is for emergencies and this isn't an emergency. But given that you have that much saved and you have the house fund and that you're going to be getting rid of the student loan payments soon, I think that you're probably paying a lot in interest on those. And if you just get rid of that, it'll take you 10 months to replace the money that you took out of the emergency fund. Right, right. Yeah, less than a year. That's not Yeah, so we're on the same time horizon with, you know, in six months, the and you could even, so you could even do it in less because in February, when you stop paying $500 for the student loans, you could add that back, you could add that into the emergency fund in less than two months. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah, so I would do that. I would do that. So then you have... Then we're done with the credit card debt, and then you'll have a good savings. Right. I would set up the three hundred to go into the emergency fund, and then when your student loan is done, I would put that in the emergency fund till that's replaced, and then I would switch right. that then back to the house fund, and then okay. once the house is done, then I would save for the maternity. But and I wouldn't do the house unless you know that it, worst case you you can both swing it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's that's really solid advice. Um, my auto loan also should hopefully go away. In like March, April, so that oh, would yeah. also be another. Like, so this all lines up with your time horizon. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That's how. Yeah, that's how I would do it. I would focus on. I would. Yeah. I would get rid of the credit card debt. Use that from your emergency fund. Then replace the emergency fund with the student loans being done. I would put that at your on your house fund, and then from there I would go and start saving for the emergency fund. Or sorry, the maternity fund. Lots of fun. 
<laughs> so many months. And yes. I mean, this okay. is all within 12 months, really. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems very Yeah, doable. definitely. But do you have any other questions? I think the house is your biggest concern, right? Um, the house is my biggest concern. I mean, I guess our like greatest debt really would be the remainder of my husband's student loans. I don't know if we should just be like slow and steady on that, especially with like a mortgage payment. But my strategy for my own student loans was like, make it go away really quickly. Um, and so I don't know if we should try and do that or find like a balance. I would try and find a balance just because if let's say you say we're going to put off having kids for three or four more years, then I would say once the house is done, then all the church money could go towards his student loans. Right. Okay. Because you've been very aggressively, you know, all that extra money. So if you're not going to have a kid or kids and you don't need it for maternity, then I would put it on the loans. But if you're going to have it, and this is obviously a personal decision. So just what your next goal is. So, and that's how I would prioritize it. So if you think that you're going to have kids in the nearer future, then I would save for the maternity fund and just keep uh, trucking along on the student loans. You know what? It's really going to be two years out the next year. We're just going to, all the church money goes to the student loans. I do think that since you refinanced the one with SoFi, it's probably a pretty low interest rate. So I would check that out too. And that might make you feel better going the slow and steady route on those if if you know you're not paying a lot in interest. Yeah, I know that when, so when he refinanced it, it was at like 7% or previously it was at seven. And then after refinancing, it's now at like five. Okay. So that's not that bad. And he could throw, if you have like an extra right. 500, you can make a principal only payment on it. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah. That so I depends. would, I would, I mean, I feel like I recommend this. I would like sit down and have like a planning meeting and be like, okay, yeah. what can we really afford on the house? Like what's the worst case scenario? Like if I don't go to, if I don't work for three months or six months or whatever it is, and, but I would do all the little things I would say in the meantime over the next 12 months. And then I would say from there, what is our what are our financial goals? Like, do we want to tackle your student loans and put off having a kid or children for a year or two and to kind of get that off the table mm-hmm. and all extra money goes towards that, kind of like what you did with your loans? Or are we okay doing the slow and steady and we know that, you know, based on what we're paying, that that will get paid off? in the next six years. And we're, we're going to do both things at the same time. We're going to have kids and we're going to pay that off all consecutively. Right. Or, is that right? Cause it consecutively or at the same time, concurrently? I'm not sure which word that was, but not an English major, but so you can do eat and neither, there isn't a right or wrong. It's not wrong to say, we're going to focus on the student loans. Now we're going to get all of that done. And then we're going to focus on having a family or to say, student loans we've accepted that we know that we're going to get it paid off in what what, let's say six or seven years we know when our end date is but we don't want to put off having a family we're going to do both at the same time mine are done and his are not and so we're going to use the difference from that to help plan for the family right right yeah we can just not at the same time. (laughs) exactly so i would just figure out what's going to be most important to you and i would go that route okay and you could also sit down, you know, with the church money, if you're bringing in that much, you could really get the loans paid off. And, or even you could say, we're going to delay having family for one year and put one year's worth of church money on, on the loans and so that we're done. Right. So you could always comp. I always like to compromise. Usually what I end up finding is rather than saying, okay, we're going to have a family first and do the student loan second, you can usually always compromise and say, we're going to have a family in one year, or we're going to plan to start having a family in one year. And then we're going to spend one extra year on his loans. Right. Yeah. I like that because then you don't feel like you have to like commit to something mm-hmm. for 
forever. So cool. Okay. Yeah. Splitting the difference usually works a lot for most people. It's like, you can do one or the other, or we'll just meet in the middle. And they're like, okay, we'll meet in the middle. <laughs> right. Yeah. That feels yeah. a little bit it better. It feels sometimes. easier to do, I think. Yes. Perfect. Well, we, I think that you guys have a good plan here and you have a healthy budget. So it's all about just figuring out what's going to be the priority for you and your husband. Right. But definitely right, don't yeah. be house poor. We don't ever want anyone to be house poor. No, 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 no. That sounds really boring and scary. <laughs> well, why don't we do, we'll wrap this up for our listeners. Um, so thank you so much, Joy, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. This was really helpful. Oh, good. And so for our lovely listeners, you can rate and review us at iTunes. And we always love a good star rating. And so hit those stars. And if you could write us a review too, we'd super appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram at Financial. And then if you want to learn more about personal finance, you can take uh, our online class, which is partnered with SUNY Ulster at www.planancial.com.